Greetings and welcome to this ninth episode of Soldier Souls. Here at Soldier Souls, we want to extend to everyone throughout the world a joyous and blessed Easter. Indeed, he is risen. As usual, we extend our hearty salutations to the Catholic churches of St. Elizabeth Ann Seton and St. Henry's. And we also send our heartfelt welcome to the additional sojourners from across the nation and now internationally who have been joining our travels along the path of truth and who along with us are searching out directions that point the way to staying on that path. We are delighted to count all of you as part of our company as we travel along together in this world in order to live eternally with God in the next. And if you are finding our podcast beneficial, we ask that you share it with your loved ones. Remember, you are our best sales force. Hi, I'm Deacon Tim Vaughn, wishing all of you a joyful Easter tide, during which we proclaim, He is risen. The Lord is risen indeed. Alleluia, alleluia. In our previous episode, we reviewed the baptismal promises that were first made when we received the sacrament of baptism and then are reaffirmed at Eastertide. During this episode, we're going to explore how baptism originated out of the ancient Jewish tradition of mikvah. So now we invite you, as Isaiah did in chapter 50, verse 1. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. But first, let us together pray our Our Father. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And now news for those in the pews. Please remember in prayer the men and women who are newly baptized, confirmed, and entered into full communion with the Catholic Church this Easter Vigil. Pray they will continue to hear and answer the call of the Holy Spirit, and that our parish communities will shower them with their love and support that they need. I want you to close your eyes and travel back with me, back, back in time to the very beginning of creation. We read in Genesis chapter one that the earth emerged from the waters. The creator God causes the earth itself to resurrect from the watery grave that God commands that the waters under the sky be gathered together into one place and the dry land appeared as we read in Genesis chapter 1 
verse 9. The Hebrew word used for gather the waters in this verse is mikvah, a term that became used for all ritual emergence in the Jewish religion. Think about these waters at the dawn of creation, being the womb out of which God brought forth life from the state of death. And think for a minute longer about this. From the very first was the water that the power of the Holy Spirit of God acted through the word spoken by God that resulted in the birth of creation. In other words, the perfect unity of the entire Trinity accomplished the birthing of our world of the dark, watery depths into the light of life. We can understand this act of creation as the prototype of other forms of baptism or ritual submersion in the Judeo-Christian tradition. As we read further into Genesis, it becomes apparent that water is used over and over and over again by God to cleanse and purify as he works his plan to transform his creation from one state of existence to another. God cleanses and purifies his creation with the flood in Noah's days as recounted in Genesis chapters 6 through 8. In the New Testament, St. Peter says in 1 Peter 3, verses 20 and 21, likens the flood to our saving baptism. In the days of Noah, only a few people, eight in all, were saved through water, and this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also. After Genesis, we read in Exodus about the whole nation of Israel undergoing mikvah as they pass through the waters of the Red Sea. Note that this event cleanses the whole nation from the influence of Egypt. It also represents a passing from one state of existence to another. Israel is no longer to be a nation of slaves. It has attained its freedom from the position of a people with a unique calling and destiny from God. In Exodus 19 verses 10 and 11, God commands a ritual cleaning of the people before God. It states, the Lord will come down on my Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. This washing officially prepares them to approach Mount Sinai and enter into a covenant relationship with God. After the death of Moses, Joshua is given the charge by God to lead Israel into the Promised Land. However, the Israelites will not be able to claim the land 
without a fight. Before crossing over to the west side of the Jordan River, Joshua tells the people in Joshua 3.5, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. The next day, in an event that vividly recalls the Exodus, through the part of waters of the Red Sea, the scripture records in Joshua 3, 15 through 17, it states, Now the Jordan is at flood stage during the harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam. While the water flowing down into the Dead Sea was completely cut off, so the people crossed over opposite Jericho. The priest who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground, while all of Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. Later in the Levitical laws, we find this ritual of physical and spiritual cleansing to be codified as necessary for all acts of consecration and spiritual offerings. Accomplishing a ritual mikvah applied when one changed life's conditions, moving from one state of existence to another. So mikvah was essential to transitioning to a new position in life. It acknowledged to God as the source of life as he creates life. He renews life and he transforms life. The mikvah is a commitment to live one's new life status through the empowerment that only comes from God. Therefore, mikvah was undertaken prior to marriage, bar mitzvah, after birth, following life-changing experiences, and before consecrated days. Priests were also required to be ritually immersed when being consecrated to the priesthood at any time they became defiled by contacting anything unclean. The Jewish people believe that the Spirit of God pervades each person who is immersed in the waters of the mikvah. After immersion, a person is considered to be reborn by the Spirit to first enter a higher spiritual life, second undertake a new life position, or third to maintain a state of ritual purity in service before God. So we see the Jewish practice of mikvah was established from the beginning of time and was done many, many, many times during the religious life of a Jewish person. Moving on to the New Testament, 
we find that the tradition of mikvah is still being practiced, but under the name of baptism. Now, wait a minute. How did that happen? Remember that the New Testament was originally written in Greek. The Greek word that means to submerge or cleanse by dipping is baptizo. This word is used throughout the New Testament to describe the same action of immersion in water with one essential difference. After the example of Jesus, the baptismal immersion is done only once for the remission of sins and to signify spiritual dying to old self and being born again by the Holy Spirit to a new state in Christ. What is important for us to recognize is that when John appeared in the wilderness proclaiming a baptism of remittance for the forgiveness of sins, as we read in Mark chapter 1, verse 4, he was not to something doing something odd or unusual. In fact, John's call to repentance that is recorded in the Gospels was probably the annual cleansing from the past sins that the faithful sought to enable them to pass through the coming judgment day of Yom Kippur. These emergence that John was officiating were performed in the month before the most holy day of atonement. His baptism was an immersion into repentance based upon the Jewish ordinances of ritual cleansing and he was acting in his official priestly capacity that was passed down to him from his dad, Zechariah, who was a priest himself. Remember? We need also to understand that the Jewish people believed that the Messiah would come on one of the Sabbaths, either a weekly one or one of the festival Sabbaths, and that the Messiah would be commissioned to immerse the nation, Israel, in the Jordan as Joshua had done in Joshua 3.17. For this reason, the Pharisees sent both priests and the Levites to question John to whether he was the Messiah or the prophet or Elijah, as we read in John chapter 1, verses 19 through 26. And John answers them with the words of Isaiah. I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as it says in John 23. Another important point to keep in mind that it was not necessary for Jesus to be baptized. He had no sins to confess, nor any need for cleansing. As John says in Matthew 3.14, I need to be baptized you, and you are coming to me? And how does Jesus answer him? Permit it now, for thus it is fitting for both of us to fulfill all righteousness, as it says in Matthew 3.15. So what does this somewhat puzzling reply mean? In Jewish law, 
fulfilling all righteousness meant obedience to the law. All priests were consecrated when they came to 30 years of age. And it is recorded that Jesus himself was about 30 years old when he began his ministry, as it states in Luke 3.23. According to the law, priestly consecration was twofold. First, the washing or the baptism, and secondly, was anointing. Through the baptism by John and the following anointing by the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove, Jesus was fulfilling God's righteous requirements under the law for Levitical priesthood and also for the new status of ordination to his eternal priesthood after the order of Melchizedek. Jesus was thus legally justified and divinely consecrated for the work of redemption. The audible voice from heaven calling Jesus, My beloved Son, in Luke 3.22, was an acknowledgement of his calling to be the new Adam, a son who would redeem fallen humanity. Recall that the first mission that Jesus undertook was to go into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil and to succeed where Adam had failed by withstanding the temptation of the enemy. Finally, Jesus' baptism recognized his role as the perfect sacrificial lamb to be offered to God the Father. The sacrificial lamb in Jewish ritual was taken to the Levitical priest to be ceremonially washed before being offered. Therefore, John, standing in the line of the Levitical priest, had the authority to officiate the washing of the sacrifice, Jesus, who was to be offered. Thus, the ceremonial watching in the old order looked forward to the perfect sacrifice that Jesus would make that would complete forever the offering for sin. So we see that in Jesus' baptism, he was being made both priest and sacrifice. Jesus' baptism also marks the transition between the Jewish mikvah, and the Christian sacrament of baptism that Jesus himself commands his disciples to administer to all nations. Of course, some of the benefits of the mikvah are retained in baptism. For example, cleansing, renewal, transformation, and commitment to live a new life. However, the sacrament of baptism is done only once because it signifies our death to sin by the death of Jesus Christ and rebirth to life eternal through his resurrection. Following Jesus' example, a person can only die and be reborn once. During this Easter season, we pray that an extra measure of God's joy and grace surrounds you as it is written in Revelation of St. John the Divine. Come, 
and let the one who hears say, Come. Let the one who is thirsty come. And let the one who wishes to take the free gift of water of life. Written in Revelation 22:17. So please join with me in praying the Hail Mary in thanksgiving for the greatest gift of our good God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Again, we encourage all of you to share our podcast far and wide with your family, friends, and acquaintances, and even with complete strangers. Our next episode will be a standalone segment on a very tiny and simple saint. We're going to let you guess who it is, and you don't want to miss it. It'll be released Wednesday evening this week. Again, we wish all of you a joyous and blessed Easter season as we proclaim Alleluia, Alleluia. So until we meet again, may the Lord bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And remember Jesus' words, wide is the road to destruction. So we remind you, stay on the path, and we ask that St. Raphael, the Archangel of Travelers, God speeds you on your sojourn.